Hi everyone and welcome back to Fast Charge. This is episode 69, a number with no special significance, nothing we're going to dwell on. Let's move straight past it. I am joined this week by Lewis and Toddy, as ever. Uh, no one else wanted to join us today, so it is just us, I'm afraid. Uh, that does not mean there's nothing exciting for us to talk about, because as we are doing this live a mere 45 minutes ago or an hour ago, OnePlus revealed the Nord CE 5G their new kind of lower mid-range phone, which is a streamlined stripped-back take on last year's Nord mid-ranger. So we are going to talk about that. And then obviously we have to turn to WWDC, Apple's big developer conference this week. So we're going to do a segment covering all things iOS 15, because obviously that's our real interest here. And then we're just going to chat for a while about everything else they announced, and other little bits and pieces that tie in to the iPhone ecosystem, like the watch stuff and the AirPods and so on and so forth. Before that, it has actually been a busy week for other little bits of news. It took me a while to pare down my list to just five things I wanted to talk about. Uh, first up, the Realme GT being announced in China a while ago. We've known for a while the Realme GT series is coming to Europe, but now we actually have a date. The Realme GT gets a global launch next week on June 15th. Um, we're not expecting any radical new phone, though there has been some word that they may be announcing a Realme tablet and even a laptop uh, alongside the GT, though we're not sure that's a kind of pretty new rumor, but we are definitely seeing a global launch for the GT and rumors have pegged pricing in the kind of four to 500 euro range. Um, one listing did pop up like from the Realme uh, European website that had a 550 euro model. That was the top spec one, I think, for 550. So expect the lower spec one's a bit cheaper. That's a little bit more than I think some people had hoped the GT would come in for Europe, but it still makes it one of, if not the cheapest Snapdragon 888 phones you can get. So this is still going to be a very good value device for what you're getting if you really want something high performance. Following that, just the next day, we are going to see the Honor 50 series on June 16th. Um, this is a Chinese launch, not a global one, as far as we're aware. It's an event in Shanghai. But we are going to see the next flagship series from Honor. The last ones we had was the VU40 series that launched in China right at the end of last year, beginning of this year. Um, we kind of were waiting a while to see if that would come out globally. It looks like it's not, but the 50 series seems likelier. There's been some little bits and pieces suggesting finally this may be the first time we see an Honor phone running Google services uh, since the Huawei split. Um, so it seems plausible that this will be the reveal of Google support, reveal that it's coming out globally, and really setting uh, Honor up for its post-Huawei life. Uh, despite that, somewhat ironically, we also know what the back of the phone looks like, <laughs> and it is very similar to the Huawei P50. Uh, <laughs> I have seen some people speculating that this is some sign that actually the split isn't as real as they claim and you know, secretly Huawei is pulling the strings on her through shell companies or something. Uh, I suspect the truth is far more mundane, which is phones take a lot longer to make than you think maybe. <laughs> uh, and they've probably had this one in the works for a year and a half long before uh, Huawei sold the company. So I think this is just the case that for the next six months, maybe next year, we're still going to see phones that began life as Huawei devices um, and maybe share some of those trademark design elements. But anyway, uh, moving on from phones for the moment, uh, two bits of headphone news. Weird week to have two pairs of headphones launching we're excited about. Uh, but first off, the Pixel Buds A. Google perfectly timed these to launch as the show ended last week. 
So we knew about the Pixel Buds Day. We had all the information. Chris, who's not on the show this week, had even been reviewing them for us. But we weren't allowed to say a word until after <laughs> our, our podcast ended, which was very frustrating. But the Pixel Buds a exist you already know this this news is a week old i don't even know why i'm telling you uh but they're kind of new affordable pixel headphones 99 pounds 99 dollars um and actually good i think is the pleasant surprise there we've been distinctly unimpressed with every pair of pixel headphones so far but it looks like when they've done a cheap pair everyone's kind of swung around the other way and actually they've uh, had very good reviews and i think we gave them four stars and liked them a lot uh not so affordable uh, the Sony WF-1000XM4s have finally arrived. I did have to check my notes to make sure I said that right. Uh, these, if you're, if you're not intimately familiar with Sony's um, succinct headphone naming scheme, these are their flagship true wireless in-ear headphones with noise cancellation. So they're the kind of in-ear equivalent of the over-ear Sonys that have been you know, reviewed best headphones in the world kind of every year for four years running. Um, this is, despite the XM4 at the end of the name, this is actually the third generation of the Inners. Again, thank you, Sony. I don't know how you do it every time. Um, they are smaller than the previous generations, which I think fixes what was really the big complaint before. They were very bulky, the first two pairs Sony put out. And it was always kind of these great headphones, but, you know, they were like sticking all the way out your ears. These are still kind of big for true wireless, but they're much more compact. Uh, I haven't tested them myself, no, none of us have, but supposedly excellent noise cancellation. Um, and if you do have something like £350 or dollars to drop on a pair of in-ear headphones, then I'm very jealous, and these are probably <laughs> good ones to look at. Uh, and the final little bit I want to talk about, just because we are going to be talking about iOS latest, but it only seems fair to note that Android 12 second beta has finally arrived. It is rolling out on Pixel devices right now. If you've been trying out the Android 12 beta on a non-Pixel device, I think it might take you a little later to uh, to get this latest version. But it includes... Ah, it's totally got up running that. Uh, it's got a couple... Actually, you can probably say better than me, but I know it's got a few of the features that they announced at I.O., but that weren't in the first beta way. The main thing right. is privacy dashboard, which we've already got in our lead uh, Android 12 beta feature. Um, they don't actually mention it in any of the kind of updates on the Google blog, but just looking around, there are definitely also some UI tweaks and improvements. The power menu has changed. The uh, quick settings now include stuff like device controls and the wallet Google Pay um, as like primary widgets. Uh, the volume slider has been refined. It was really big before and now it's a lot thinner. Mm. Um, so there's lots of little tweaks as well going on behind the scenes that they might not write down, but are also happening. So if you're already, already on the beta, you should see some nice kind of improvements on beta one already. I do have to ask Todd, as you say that, I'm sorry to everyone listening because this is a very visual thing. Mm. Um, you said the volume slider is now smaller. I haven't used the Android 12 beta yet, but you just showed the volume slider and it's quite big. <laughs> How big was it before? So right now it's about, <laughs> let's say, uh, three quarters of a centimeter wide. It was yeah. about a centimeter before. It was pretty huge. Like, it was That's chunky. Chunky. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. the uh, the quick settings as well are a little bit slimmer too. Um, they want, okay. with Material U, it ought to be much more kind of like visually, kind of immediately recognizable and easy to understand. So they've made everything larger. I think yep. they maybe went a little bit too hard on that first beta and they're kind of like, oh, they overcorrected. And now they're trying to like just file it all yep. back down a little bit. So it's a little bit more kind of like treading the line between refinement and ease of use that isn't so heavy handed. Um, so that's what... The I volume think. slider at least, 
I think at a glance you can kind of tell what it is. That doesn't need to be this big chunky thing for people to go, aha, a volume slider. Yeah, yeah. Um, I might do you know, a hands-on. It's, it's the update. slider that popped up when I pressed the volume button. <laughs> yeah. I can kind of guess what it's going for. Yeah, I might update the uh, the the hands-on that we currently have with some screenshots because I've already got screenshots of beta one, so you can see exactly yeah. what's changed. That would be interesting. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, so yeah, if you if you have a pixel and you enjoy playing around with the betas, then go and check out beta two. Uh, for everyone else, just hold out a bit longer. But it does mean we got a slightly better look at what the final Android twelve is going to look like. Uh, right. Well, let's get on with the main show. We're going to start today talking about the Nord CE because that is the latest news. Um, like I said, announced an hour ago. Um, so this is a cheaper strip back take on last year's Nord. You might remember we spoke about it a couple weeks ago and spoke about the rumors around the CE and also around the Nord 2. Uh, we are still expecting a Nord 2, a proper sequel to last year's Nord that comes in at the same price and steps up the features. Um, that's now tipped to maybe come in July with lots of little bits and pieces we're hearing here and there. The CE is different. This is basically OnePlus, and it's kind of as Pete Loud described it, they took the original Nord they took the bits about it that mattered, stripped back some of the other stuff, simplified it, and through that managed to cut £80 off the UK price tag at least, um, around €100 Euros off the European price tag, which is good going. Um, so yeah, it's a £329, uh, no, not £329. Pounds. isn't it? 299 that sounds better. £299. Pounds. <laughs> I'm getting muddled up with my euro pricing, that's why. £299 pounds, um, or €299, Euros, but that euro price is for a lower RAM model. So oh. The equivalent RAM is €329, Euros, which is what was throwing me off. Um, so this is now right. It's still, for us, Tech Advisor, it's what we consider a mid-range phone in terms of its price. But yeah. only just. It's just outside of what we consider a budget phone. Um, whereas the last Nord was really more firmly mid-range. So it's an interesting move. It sits actually very close to where they priced the N10 last year. Yeah, it's it definitely seems like a better value offering than the N10 for the money. Um, the N10 performance, even though it had a 690, which is a decent chip, it just didn't perform. And part of that may have been software. Um, I think they, they, mm. had, like, they did update it whilst I was reviewing it at the time, and it did get better. But it still wasn't great by the end of the review period. Um, but this definitely feels like it's kind of firmly between the original Nord and the and the N10. Um, yeah. Obviously, minus like obviously more recent stuff like an updated version of Android and Oxygen OS on top of that. Yes, yeah, so it's it's running Android 11 and Oxygen OS 11, which means you're getting all the latest um, OnePlus stuff as well. So you've got the always-on display in there and things like that that the original Nord didn't ship with. Um, I guess it's worth we'll just sort of run through it bit by bit. So. Todd, you already mentioned the OnePlus, uh, the, the Nord N10's chip. So the Nord CE, uh, which stands for Core Edition, by the way, that runs on a Snapdragon 750G. Uh, if you don't remember, the original Nord was on a 765G. So the 750G is more recent. It is actually a later, more up-to-date chip. But as you can probably guess by the lower number, it is a lower spec chip, even though it's more recent. It's designed to sit below the 765 in the pecking order. Um, so do expect this to come in a little slower than the original Nord, um, a little more budgety performance. I think part of what the appeal of the original Nord was that the 765G was, to some manufacturers, flagship worthy. It's in the Pixel 5, yeah. it went into the LG, um, 
Velvet, Velvet, thank you. Exactly. So so the 750G, I just don't think, is perceived in the same way. Um, the first phone I thought when I heard that that was the chip, based on the rumors that was going to go in there, was the uh, Samsung Galaxy A52 5G. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that's kind of what OnePlus might have looked at as their competition, because yeah. the A51 5G, for those who don't know, or the A51 model, I should say, was, I think, one of the best-selling phones worldwide last year, after, like, a couple of iPhones. Um, so not like one of the flagships, it was this A-series phone. Uh, and so it makes sense that OnePlus would see that success and be like, we want to hit that price point, that market with a device yeah. of our own. And I mean, and on that, OnePlus have been bullish that part of the reason this phone exists is because the Nord did very well. <laughs> That's why they're doubling down on this. Um, they've told me it gave them their best day one sales of any device they've released. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. And that in the UK alone, they've sold a million Nords which is a lot, yeah. um, uh, unless I'm getting that figure wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what they told me. Anyway, a lot of Nords. The Nord was a hit for OnePlus, and so I can see why they wanted to go back for a, for a second dip and, and, try and try and get that all over again. Um, and that is very much where this position. So you're getting a slight downgrade on chipset. Um, display, you're not, which is nice. It's pretty much, I mean, I think it must be the same display as last hmm. year. It certainly has very similar specs. It's 6.43 inches, I think. It's flat, it's an AMOLED, and it's got a 90 hertz refresh rate, which are basically all the same things that last year's Nord was. Um, And again, at the time, that was a very impressive display for the price. More impressive then when 90 hertz felt uh, very exciting in a cheaper phone. I think a year on 90 hertz, even at a slightly lower price point, 90 hertz doesn't feel very impressive anymore when I know a a cheaper phone, you know, the Poco X3 goes to 120. Um, but the difference is this is AMOLED, not LCD. So you're getting that AMOLED display quality along with the refresh rate. And it is cheaper than last year's not. So same quality display fundamentally. Chips at a slight downgrade. Cameras are a bit here and there. So last year's Nord had a weird camera setup. It had a dual selfie camera. And I think the main one was 32 megapixel. That's been downgraded a little bit. Sorry, I think you might all be able to hear a siren coming from me. Uh, that's been downgraded a little this year. It's a single selfie camera, and it's only 16 megapixels. Um, so not quite as exciting, but maybe that's not a big sell for most people. On the rear, we've gone from a quad camera last year to a triple camera this year. Um, that's not really the big change, though. The main change is we've gone from a 48 megapixel main lens to a 64 megapixel main lens so in a sense that's an upgrade and it's at the same aperture f1.8 what i haven't been able to find out yet is the sensor being used um in detail because i suspect it's a smaller sensor and that this is a camera that looks better but maybe isn't because it's actually a smaller sensor the leaks were omnivision was the manufacturer and typically Mm -hmm. that is in the same way that sometimes we get like you know, uh, an optical 5G chipset, but it's a MediaTek versus a Qualcomm. There's a kind of perceived step down in terms of refinement or whatever. Um, yep. The original Nord used a, an IMX586. That's super popular yep. sensor that they've loved for years on their devices now. Um, Again, yeah, the pitch there was it's the same sensor we're using in our flagships yeah. and we've thrown into our mid-range. They're not making any claim like that here. Yeah. So I don't expect the picture quality to be, I mean, maybe comparable to last year's Nord would be okay, but I wouldn't expect it to be mm. better, especially with the price cut. No, um, exactly. So I think if you are looking and thinking, oh, they've upgraded the camera, uh, have a bit of skepticism yeah. there <laughs> until we've had the chance to test it properly and, and publish camera samples. I think that's unclear. Also, there's no um, OIS, is there? 
on the main. Oh, I don't know. I missed that. I'm not sure. I think on the, yeah. the, the, the original had OIS on that main sensor. No OIS. I think you that. I, I mean, I'm saying it would be very impressive. I'd be very surprised if that. Yeah. 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 I don't. They certainly didn't mention OIS to me, so maybe that means there was no OIS. Um, I, we can double check that. Um, but yeah, so the, the rest of the camera then, it's a wide angle, same as before, and then the third lens is OnePlus's ever unpopular mono lens. I don't know why they Pointless. keep throwing this onto cameras. They must have just boxes of them lying around the factory floor or something. <laughs> uh, but equally, last time there was a macro and a depth sensor in the original Nord that uh, the macro at least was just as useless as this mono. So just to confirm, um, it is um, EIS. I had a little look. EIS, yeah. cool. That makes sense. Yep. So that's another little downgrade. Um, the big one, though, I think for most people is honestly going to be build quality. I think that's the thing everyone's going to get hung up on here, yeah. because everything else is little things and the kind of things you'd expect. Oh, the chipset's fractionally slower. The camera's specs been jiggled around a bit and maybe not quite as good. The build quality has definitely changed because last year OnePlus made a lot of fuss about the fact that they were still using a glass body uh, for the Nord. They made such a fuss of using a glass body that they in turn got dinged by people for using a plastic frame rather than metal. <laughs> and that became the sort of mild controversy of the Nord launch that they dared to put any plastic in there at all. Um, this year, it's all plastic. The frame and the back are both plastic, no glass back. And even the front, the display is obviously glass, but it's no longer Gorilla Glass. So there's a big drop in build quality across the board um, with also the weird choice that they've taken out the alert slider, yeah. uh, which is one of those little OnePlus staples that is ever popular. And, you know, they were the only Android brand that really do them. Uh, obviously, Apple has kept them in iPhones uh, and I've always loved that OnePlus does them. Um, Toddy, you looked at the N10. Did that have an alert? So I'm I don't trying think to remember, did. you know, I, was, I should I should dig it out. I've got it somewhere, but um, I, I will come back to you on that one. The, the thing I was kind of thinking was interesting is that one of the key marketing points about this phone is how thin it is, because it's what you said, 7.9 millimeters, yes. right? But if you pair that with a plastic frame and back, that kind of raises, in my head, con mild concerns about uh, durability or, or, you know, how... Um, strong that device is going to be you know mm. if it's in a back pocket and you accidentally sit or or even in a side pocket you know i'm just getting flashbacks to the old uh bengate fiascos yeah. with the iphones <laughs> hopefully it's not any sort of problem i'm sure internally it's no. a very solid device we are not going yeah. to bend test it i don't think when we get one but um yeah uh yeah so that is definitely gonna be something i think people worry about but you did raise the the positive flip side of that is it is very thin yeah that's nice it's 7.9 millimeters uh oneplus says that's the thinnest phone they've had since the 6t so the thin thinnest they've done in a couple years um and it's also light it's 170 grams so i do quite that i like phones in that space it's part of the reason i've enjoyed some of the recent vivo flagships where they're keeping a biggish screen 6.5 inch display but managing to keep the rest of the device thin and light so it doesn't feel like a giant phone. It's not as heavy to use uh, one-handed. And when you're in that awkward claw and you're stretching your hands around the big display, uh, it doesn't. it's not as uncomfortable because it's still quite lightweight. Um, so I, do, I will say if you're, if you're unhappy about the switch to plastic, there is a flip side there, which is this is lighter than last year's Nord. It's thinner than last year's Nord. And I think for a lot of people, that will be a big draw. Just, and, um, just looking back, I can confirm. Yeah, again, it's it's a plastic back and a and a no alert slider on the N10 5G as well. So that's true of the yep. last year's N10 5G. What I'm curious about, and I haven't had the chance to dig into this and figure it out, but obviously with the N10 and the N100, 
we really looked at them and said, okay, those are other um, phones yes. from the wider uh, company that had been rebranded. So there was, you know, one of them was an Oppo device that had been rebranded into OnePlus, and I can't remember. The other was a Realme or something. I can't remember something for sure. The, the fact that there's no alert slider on here makes me very suspicious that the same thing has happened with the Nord CE. And that actually, for all the talk that this was inspired by the first Nord, you kind of wonder, well, actually, was it inspired by some Oppo A phone that I've forgotten about? Um, and so I kind of want to dig that spec sheet around and, and see, see, see if anything comes up that's a close match. Um, but it does make me worry because even if it's not, even if this is really an in-house designed OnePlus phone, it does kind of suggest that collab close collaboration with Oppo is actually leading to that erasure of some of the OnePlus identity that people are really fond of. And things like the alert slider, it's a little detail, but actually I like an alert slider. I use it all the time when I'm on a OnePlus phone. Being able to just physically flip from, from silenced to, to vibrate to audio on is, is actually really handy. And I've always been a bit amused that no other manufacturer has kept doing it. It's one of those traits that I'm always amazed, considering how much Apple likes to kind of trim down the design that they've always mm. retained, even now on the latest devices. They still have this physical moving component. There we go. Yeah. As Lewis is showing to those watching. There we go. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's, the fact it isn't really a thing on in the Android market, it's it's absolutely a differentiator. So. I can't, I feel like if they could fit a headphone jack, I feel like they could have fit an alert slider. <laughs> Even a really Absolutely. thin one, I'm surprised. I don't think it was a space thing, except for the fact that the phone is already so thin, so they maybe just needed the space for other components. Yeah. Um, it's what makes me look at it and worry. It's because they had these existing plastic frame yeah. components that were from an Oppo device or something, yeah, and that's, you know, that's how they put this phone together. And so they were using a, a, a non-OnePlus component to to assemble the whole thing maybe um, they just see it as know. like a premium feature you know if it's not coming on the, the, yeah. the mid-range stuff they just want to keep it on the kind of higher flagship I, stuff i don't think it's on the m100 either so that would make sense no um so is it nord original nord and up is that is that basically how it works well the only the only thing i'd wonder with that is because when i was being briefed on the the nord CE, the way oneplus pitched it was actually very interesting which is that they actually see themselves now as having three product lines not two, which is to say they see it as there's the flagships, there's the the numbered, the OnePlus 9 and 9 Pro being the latest, and the 9R. At the bottom end, they've got the 10s and 100s, and we know there's an N200 coming out. And then they see the Nord as its own product line mm. in the middle, separate from the N10 and mm. the N100, where those are the budget ones, and Nord is the mid-range and the kind of affordable premium. So it would feel weird if that was the kind of thinking in their heads, because... They're saying the Nord CE fits in this bucket. They have the same category as the Nord, which is this cheap but premium kind of space. So, I, I, yeah, I find it odd if that was really where they were trying to yeah, draw their lines strange. in the sand. I will say to the design's credit, um, I quite like the finishes, the colorways, the, the kind of way, the especially the silvery one. I think it's called like Silver Ray or something. Silver Ray, yeah. Nice, really nice. Yeah, I'm I'm impressed by the colours. I like that we have another good good looking OnePlus blue. They've kind of strayed a bit from the good blues and I've not been happy with the last couple mm. of blues. But this is blue void, I think. <laughs> uh I do really like the look of it. A uh, little kind of darker bluey purpley kind of bit running around the edge. And yeah, silver ray looks nice, and then the black is called charcoal ink or something. Um and it is just a black. 
It's probably a nice black. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I, I will say, I think visually these look nicer than the N10 N100 did. It, it does feel OnePlus still, other than the lack of an alert slider. The, the aesthetic looks to me like a OnePlus aesthetic in a way that something about the N10 and the N100 kind of gave away that it wasn't. And just little touches, you kind of went, oh, it doesn't feel like them. Um, and this does, for the most part. This feels like a proper OnePlus phone, but just one that's pretty affordable. Um, but yeah, I like I like the look of it. I'm curious to get the chance to play around with it properly and find out more. I'm really curious about what the actual Nord 2 is. I think this is kind of a nice little teaser for that. And I loved the original Nord. I think the trade-offs they've made here from the spec sheet make me worry this hasn't had enough of a price cut to justify all the things they've shaved off it compared to the original Nord, but that's, I think, again, they shot themselves in the foot with that first Nord because it was so good for the price that every other phone they do looks like bad value by comparison. <laughs> um, and they, they really screwed themselves over there. But, uh, yeah, I think pre-order is live today. I'm just looking at the purchase are, page now, yeah. Yeah, I think you have to be a OnePlus community member to order today. Equally, I, I think that just means make an account on the OnePlus website. So yes, it, it doesn't feel like an especially exclusive barrier to entry. Well, that's if you're in um, India <laughs> and you're part of the Red Cable Club, it's different. Uh, whereas in other markets like okay. the UK and Europe, if you get the, as you say, sign up, you can enjoy the core sales window. And that just means the phone ships sooner as well. So that means 14th of June, yep. they're saying here in the UK for a, an earlier ship. Otherwise, I think it's a little bit yep. later, a couple of days maybe. So I think I think the idea is that in the UK, if you're, if you order it in this in this core sale window. You can order it in the next two days and get the phone next week. Everyone else can order from other retailers over the next week or so, but the official on sale date for the UK is June 21st. So I think that's when you get your phone delivered to you by Amazon or someone. Um, so you are getting a benefit from buying straight from OnePlus if you, if you want the phone fast. Uh, Indian timing is a little different. I'm not sure about every other market out there. I think India gets it a bit sooner than us in general. But yes, that is the Nord CE 5G. Uh, go check it out if you're interested. I, it doesn't. It, it looks like OnePlus have, have put something good together. I know we were pretty down on the Nine series as a publication. I know a lot, of, a lot of other people liked it, but here at Techvisor we didn't love the Nine and the Nine Pro. I, on paper, think this looks like a little bit of a return to form and has me quite excited for the proper Nord Two, mm. hopefully next month, because that could be really, really special with a bit of luck. Uh, let's move to all things Apple. Uh, I'm going to have to pass to Lewis in a minute because he knows this stuff so much better than I do. But Apple held WWDC 2021 this week, or rather it is still holding it. The developer conference itself is ongoing, um, but we had the keynote on Monday night. Um, just to get out of the way, in case everyone isn't aware, there were no hardware announcements. We had kind of expected some. There were some people thought a new Mac Mini, new MacBook Pros might turn up, maybe even AirPods. None of that. It was all software. <laughs> Um, but for all that, there was some interesting stuff in there. So we've seen the new versions, or rather the upcoming versions of iOS, so iOS 15, along with iPadOS, watchOS, tvOS, and macOS, which is going to be named macOS Monterey. Uh, and then along with that, in Apple fashion, there are little tidbits about other features and products that sit at the intersections of their ecosystem. Uh, let's start with iOS 15, because I think that's really where our main interest lies. From what we've seen so far, Lewis, is this a grand upheaval of the iPhone ecosystem <laughs> or is it just kind of crawling along for another year? Uh, 
I think it depends on how you use your phone. Um, I think there are some really helpful things coming this year, but they're not, it's not going to be something that everybody cares about. Um, so let's talk about my favorite feature first, because I've been begging for Apple to redo its notification system for years. I think yeah, it's my I yearly tweet. that's what tweet. you were going to say. <laughs> yeah. My yearly tweet post WWDC is please fix the notification system. And finally, I think I, I must yep. have added Tim Cook last year because he's finally listened to me and he's like, you know what? We need to fix that notification system. So... Um, you've got a slightly redesigned notification system. <laughs> it looks. I did. Nicer. I'll admit, I got very excited when they they said we're going to do notifications, and then by the end of that segment, I was a little disappointed that that was yeah. all they'd done to notifications. Yeah. Um, so um, the the look of them is different. So you've got bigger mm -hmm. app icons now, and in messages, you'll get your your friend's photo ID if they have one that will come up in the message. So you can quickly glance and you'll see what it is, and you can kind of get back to your day if you don't really care. Uh, because let's be honest, we all get so many notifications on a daily basis. I know my phone's always vibrating. Um, and then obviously that's quite annoying. Um, Apple knows it, we all know it. So they've also taken it a step further by introducing this thing called Focus, which is basically an extension of Do Not Disturb. Um, but it kind of takes things to another level. So um, as well as Do Not Disturb now, just a generic, I don't want to talk to anybody. It's going to have modes for home, for work, for running. It's going to um, suggest focuses as as it kind of watches and learns about what you do and how you mm. use your phone so uh, and the basic concept is when you're at work you will only get um notifications from work related apps you'll get email you get slack and you know all that kind of stuff and you uh, the iphone will suggest it to you automatically based on what it sees you using during the day and then you can add or remove apps from that moment um and the same with widgets as well they'll show kind of work focus widgets work focus notifications so that you don't get bothered by anything like that and then my favorite is the reverse of that in the evening. So that once you finish work, you, you won't get any notifications from mail. You won't get your Slack notifications. You won't even see them on your home screen if you don't want to see them. They will be completely removed from your home screen until uh, work mode is re-enabled, which I think is such a nice way to introduce a better work from home balance, especially, you know, we're all working from home. Well, not all of us, but there's a lot of us working from home. Um, and yeah, on my phone, on my iPad, there's this work stuff on everything. You can't really ever yep. totally switch off from it. So that's kind of step forward. And once you enable it on one device, it's across all your devices. So um, mm -hmm. if you if you put Do Not Step on whatever at the moment, uh, if you put it on your phone, you'll still get notifications on your iPad and your Mac. And, you know, that's, that kind of defeats the object. So it's syncing everything up, which is nice. Um, and they're also... Oh, go on. Just interrupting to say there's something to be said for, like, at one point, you know, both Android and BlackBerry tried to do this kind of like almost like a standalone user interface for work on certain yeah. builds of Android and, and BlackBerry as well. Um, and this seems like a more a nice evolution of that because it's a bit more kind of subtle and it, it kind of allows for kind of the, the kind of transitionary apps and experiences that you want to permeate both. Mm -hmm. So it just seems like a nice revision yeah, yeah. on that concept. I was yeah. going to say similar. It's it's we've we've seen this before. Yeah. But in classic Apple fashion, this is them just doing it better than the Android side. It's like more considered. Because it's, it's more considered. It's using the AI stuff to make it more automatic. I think my mm -hmm. experience with work modes on other devices so far has been that it's a very manual process. And that yeah. it's A, manual to switch modes. B, manual to set them up to go through and be like, well, I want this app there. This is this is a work app. This is a personal app. This is work. This is personal. Mm -hmm. Um the fact that this is going to try and say, hey, between 9 and 5, you use these apps. And, you know, from 5 p.m. on, you use these apps. So do, does, is this your work set? Does that work for you? Um, and the fact that it's also smart enough to then suggest that you switch to it based on time, but also location. 
and then the fact that it's not just work and and like home as you said Lewis it's like yeah. a gym one and it's smart enough to say you're at your gym do you want to go to gym mode where we'll just disable notifications for everything except your fitness apps and you'll have fitness widgets and home screen for all your you know your various workout tracking apps whatever you use yeah um so it's more than just work and play and, and i don't know it does it seems like a very smartly put together version of this in a yeah. way that makes it convenient enough you might actually use it mm-hmm. whereas all the previous versions i've looked at and said there's so much work involved to do yeah. it that i never use it yeah i mean i've got faith because they they uh, you know, it's not the first time Apple has worked on kind of app suggestions and stuff like that. Um, it uses Spotlight and Siri a lot to kind of suggest specific apps based on time of day, based on your location. Um, and for me, it works pretty well a lot of time. Um, you know, I, I rarely search for apps these days. I can just swipe to my Siri Spotlight and it'll generally have the app that I'm looking for at the time. Mm. Uh, so I do have confidence in in the kind of focus stuff. But obviously, we'll have to wait and see for sure. Um, one other bit thing about notifications that I forgot to mention was notification summary which is also going to be quite mm-hmm. handy. So um, instead of getting a flood of notifications all day long, you can now say to Apple, hey, all these notifications here, I don't really care too much about seeing them as they come in. You know, um, So you can instead get summary uh, either in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, whenever you prefer to read all these notifications and all the unimportant stuff you know, from random games and apps you've got on your phone will all be kind of shown in a list in, in order of what it thinks you care about most. Uh, and it won't include things like text messages, WhatsApps, emails or anything like that, because those are time sensitive a lot of the time. So time sensitive stuff will still come through as usual. But the annoying stuff should get a little bit less annoying, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I like the idea. I do like the idea of waking up to a sort of managed digest of my yeah. overnight notifications that I can ignore until I'm ready to sit down and engage with them. I think it will be. Uh, great for kind of mental health as well so you know when you wake up first thing in the morning a lot of us use our phones for an alarm so the first thing you're seeing when you turn that alarm off is a stream yeah. of notifications from uh, from overnight and you're like oh you know i don't want to deal with this right now um i think just delaying that by just half an hour 45 minutes i think it will make a huge difference to, to can, the way that people interact with these things i do already like that in ios in its current guys i think which is 14.5 and it was already in there before that uh when you first like wake your iphone at the start of the day it just says good morning so you're not immediately yeah. greeted with all your notifications mm-hmm. and that's what the first thing you see on your phone is. So this is a nice kind of, again, it's all kind it's of knitting together very beautifully. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what Apple does. It kind of, it takes yeah. these features and it, it kind of tightly knits them together. So you're like, you know, how did I ever live without this before? Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, um, right, so let's move okay, on so from the notifications. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about, let's do messages because messages got a few little interesting New outfits kind of from emoji stickers. <laughs> oh <laughs> my god! <laughs> I'm so excited. And that's uh, all. Yeah, so, no, I'm yeah, sure that, other things. That's that, that's it. Let's just move on. <laughs> We're done. Um, yeah. So you got a bunch of new emoji customization options. Um, I'm not going to cover them because who really cares? Um, moving on from that, you've got uh, kind of tweak design. I'd say for for, for message threads. Um, whereas when you send a bunch of photos in iMessage, it'll kind of display them one by one in a list. And if you sent six, seven images at a time, you'd, you know, you're scrolling for ages to get to the message from beforehand. Um, and when you think about it right like now, that is very un-Apple. That's a very un-Apple mm. way of doing things. And it's kind of surprising that it's, it's lasted this long. Uh, but it's about to change. So instead, they're going to, uh, when you're sending multiple photos in iMessage, you will now see a stack of images just 
kind of piled one on top of each other like a stack of photos and then you just swipe between them they'll kind of flip to the back and flip to the front uh, and then if you want to see them all in an overview you can tap on it and it'll blow them all up and then you can kind of get a better look at each image uh you know not not huge redesign but i think it will make a big difference if you send a lot of images like i do um my other favorite feature is better integration with do not disturb and i suppose all the other focus modes now as well um <clears throat> because i use do not disturb a lot i you know my phone's always on do not disturb and people get a little bit upset sometimes because they think I'm ignoring them uh, when I just don't see the messages. I just, you know, I'm just switched mm. off. Um, to avoid this in iOS 15, you're going to get these little status notifications in, in a text chat. So if I'm messaging you, Dom, and your phone is on Do Not Disturb, it will actually say at the bottom of the thing, um, Dom has Do Not Disturb activated. He won't see your message right now. Uh, so that you're aware that you're not going to get an instant reply. And then if you do send it, it'll, you know, you get the option to notify them anyway, like you do with um, when you make a call on do not disturb if you ring twice within three minutes you can get through this lets you send the note you get the notification through if it is an important text so that's quite nice i've got to say i like i really like that it flags that the user is on do not disturb yeah. i don't think i do like giving someone the option to ignore my do not disturb <laughs> yeah do you guys remember um, I think it was, there's got to be a way to turn it off there because there is a way to turn it off on the phone call mode uh if you don't want people getting through you do not stuff you can Hopefully, turn it off yeah so i imagine it's going to be the same for this showing my age you guys remember emerson messenger and everyone was on it oh, I love and there was a nudge feature oh, i think and it would literally yes. vibrate oh the my chat god it would shake your screen. screen yeah exactly this bring it to the front that, we'll bring it to the front bad yeah <sighs> i miss nudge i miss msn anyway i could just Imagine drunk friends wanting to like text me some inane nonsense <laughs> yes. at three in the morning when my phone automatically goes into do not disturb overnight yeah. and they're drunk and they're like, I've got to send Dom this cat video. Yeah. He's on do not disturb. No, to. he's got to see this cat yep. video yep. now. <laughs> that is why I turned it off for phone calls because of that exact scenario. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> drunken phone calls at three in the morning. I do not want that ever. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the last kind of big feature coming to messages is a shared with you integration. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. not too thrilled about this. I'm not too sure if anyone's really that bothered. So it's kind of like a new message integration within, uh, I think it's the podcast app, Apple Music, uh, Apple News, and a few others. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they're all Apple Safari kind of has apps, it essentially. Well, baked in. Yes, Safari, that was it. Yeah. So basically when you get sent, uh, you know, links to websites, when you get sent um, previews for Apple Music, when you get sent Apple News stuff, um, instead of it just appearing in the Messages app, there's a new dedicated shared with you section in each of these apps where you'll it'll bring in, it'll automatically bring in all those suggestions so that when you're in the app, you can take a quick look at what, what your friends have been sharing with you. It will show you who shared it uh, and stuff like that as well. But um, yeah, I, th I think that's that's kind of the the least exciting feature coming to iMessage, in, in my opinion, anyway. Mm hmm but I suppose it depends on if your friends are more social than mine with sending stuff. <laughs> uh, a couple of other things I've got written down here. There was, uh, oh, they've got machine learning for spotlight search for photos. Yes. So kind of like yeah, Google Photos, really you can cool. already kind of do this. It's similar to that, which is nice. So yeah. you can search straight from spotlight on your iPhone to look through your pictures. Uh, and also mm -hmm. they should have an upgraded Apple Maps. I personally use Google Maps, but for Apple Maps yes. users, it looks like a nice set yeah. of like upgrading especially that night mode they showed where there's like up lighting yeah. on on 3d buildings and stuff which is quite it's cool so nice yeah that, that's limited to cities at the moment i think there's, yeah. there's kind of like eight or nine cities where it's going to be available by the end of the year yeah. london's one of them so hey hey get to see it um so yeah they, they're kind of they're it's specific to cities you won't see this uh kind of in rural areas um i don't think you'll ever see it in rural areas but for kind of built up cities they're going really in depth with the apple maps um kind of mm. information you're going to have 
you know, lane guidance, you're going to see bus lanes and you're going to see cycle lanes, all that kind of detail stuff that you don't really tend to see at the moment in the app. Um, and it's also going to have custom icons for, for kind of, uh, like you were saying, like landmarks and stuff like that. So they're going to look really cool. And then there's also a night mode uh, to see what it looks like at night. And they're also working elevation and stuff like that into Apple Maps now as well. So you can look at a 3D version of the map. And if it's on a really tall hill, you will know before you get there that you'll be slogging up a really Thanks. tall hill. <laughs> so I'm really going to appreciate that one. Um, See, so yeah, I mean, it, it looks really nice, I think. I think it's I'm, I'm, it's coming to CarPlay as well, but it's not going to be there at launch. It's coming later, but they said it is right. coming to CarPlay as well. And there's also an AR mode that's similar to Google Maps. I think Google Maps did it a year or two ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it'll scan, yeah, yeah. So it'll scan your, your immediate surroundings and it'll use the camera and an overlay your directions onto the camera so you can see where you're going. Cool. Yep. Very nice. cool stuff. Uh, one of the other cool features is one that's very betrays Apple as a, a US company because it's so US centric until it rolls out elsewhere. But uh, driver like driver's licenses oh, yes. being yes. incorporated yes. into Apple Wallet to the level where they say they're working with the TSA so that for you know domestic US flights you'd be able to fly using your your iPhone as your as your proof of ID. I'm pretty sure the UK is... have been working on that as well, haven't they? I remember that oh, really? about a year or two ago they were talking about uh, finding a way to integrate uh, official kind of. Um, IDs into iOS. I feel like we wouldn't be too far behind in, in that yeah. kind of in that way. The big challenge there is passports, of course, because that just needs international approval, not just you know. Yeah. You, yeah. So Both I think it'll be a long to time from. before you can. Yeah, for for international flights, it'll be a while before you can do that. But I can totally see it's easier to just location by location get driver's license approval built in. Uh, sure. But I think even in the US, it's only some states still. Uh, not nationwide, but still, that'll be cool. Um, and then I think the other biggest area of iOS 15 changes is really, I guess, what will kind of lead us into the broader set of other changes. But FaceTime yes. has had some pretty comprehensive updates, including, I think, the biggest headline-grabbing one was, in a kind of clunky way, <laughs> it works on Android and Windows now. <laughs> yeah, um, in a real, like, Apple, like, throwing a bone, but like kind of resentfully as it does it. Yeah. We'll yeah, let so you do it, it's but it's not going to be the best experience. <laughs> so when they made yeah. an Apple Music app for Android, I was like, what? <laughs> really? <laughs> it, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the same thing here. So they haven't made an app, but what they've said is that you can now schedule FaceTime calls, which generates a link that you can send to people, which makes sense. It's kind of, you know, positioning it more in that space like Google Meet or, yeah. um, or Zoom or something where it's mm -hmm. not just a quick, oh, let me FaceTime you right now. You can actually plan a FaceTime call for a time and for a group of people. Um, but then they said, well, that will also work for Android and Windows in a browser. Yes, so they haven't made Windows or Android apps. No indication they ever will. They just said you can do it through a browser. It is definitely going to be clunky. Mm -hmm. It looked pretty basic. Um, mm -hmm. They also did the classic Apple thing of showing this off on a sort of example of what looked like a four-year-old mid-range <laughs> It looked Android like device. a Windows phone. I genuinely <laughs> yeah. thought they put a Windows phone up there at one point. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> like, this is what Android phones look like, right, guys? Uh, not quite. But yeah, yeah, I think this is a big deal for a lot of people. And it's an interesting one because it is one of those things you always hear that um, iMessage and, and FaceTime are kind of in a, for a lot of Americans, at least, the biggest way people feel locked into the Apple ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, my 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 girlfriend is American, and she has switched recently to Android, and it's been one of the biggest headaches for her that she has an like an iMessage group chat with friends in the US who are all on iPhones, and it's been a struggle switch first switching to Android, and then they want to do FaceTime calls, and again they now mm -hmm. she's the odd one out who can't FaceTime <laughs> with them, so they have to do other stuff. 
And she was thrilled to hear that she could at least have this clunky experience and, and not be the one annoying the rest of her friends by saying, you can't use FaceTime, you've got to use this other software I mean, that uh, none of them use. There's this, like, level of classism that comes associated, especially in yes. the US, with, like, being, having, was it the, the green bubble versus the blue bubble? Yeah, exactly. People are like, I don't even talk to, to green bubbles. I don't like, text green yeah. bubbles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So it is interesting that Apple's let, loosened its grip a little bit there because it was probably a big strength they had that people liked yeah. FaceTime and felt locked into it. Opening yeah. it up is actually quite brave because it may be what eases I think, the door for some people to say, oh, cool, well, that's one I'm more reason I can yeah. jump ship to Android now because I can still FaceTime my friends even once I make the move. And I think, you know, when... <laughs> When you talk about video calling people, I mean, not so much now, but like kind of pre-pandemic days, um, you'd always refer to it as a FaceTime. You're like, I'm going to quickly FaceTime you. Even if you're not actually, you know, you could mm -hmm. be WhatsApp video calling, you could be Facebook Messenger calling, but everybody just kind of refers to it as FaceTime. So I feel like Apple are like, do you know what? I'm going to try and, you know, get that coverage on every platform. And also the redesign makes it look so much like Zoom. I had to say that. I was about to say on the Zoom note, and maybe that is what shifted it for them, because you said yeah. before everyone used to say FaceTime, but now they say Zoom. No matter what yeah. video platform you're using, yeah. you say, I'm going to Zoom you. Um, so I do wonder if this is a people them trying to respond and be like, okay, hang on, like Zoom we can do this. meaningfully cut into our, our usage. We don't have um, these dumb floating, ever-expanding, ever-shifting windows. We can do it sensibly yeah. like Zoom, I swear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what so, are the other changes they've added to it other than the, the Android Windows and the scheduling? So the big thing is called SharePlay. Um, quite oh, yeah. obvious, I think, by the name of what it means. It means that you can share what you're doing on FaceTime. Um, so <clears throat> they started off by describing listening to music with your friends. So if you're all Apple Music subscribers and you, it, it, you know, apparently it's supposed to be really simple to initiate. You literally just swipe away from the call, open the app that supports it and then play. And then that will that will sync up with everybody else on the call. So you're all perfectly in sync with one another. And if one person pauses it, it pauses for everybody. So everybody knows what's going on. Uh, so you can use that to listen to music, albums, whatever. Uh, for me, the more interesting one is video. So you can now do kind of video uh, watch sessions on FaceTime. Um, yeah. And that's obviously supported by the Apple TV app. So you've got the Apple TV content on there. But also Disney Plus will be on there. Um, TikTok will be on there, and Twitch are all kind of launch partners for it. So you'll be able to watch Twitch streams. You'll be able to stream on, you know, watch TikToks together. Uh, and I'm here for that. Yeah. <laughs> and then the third part of it is screen sharing, which I think is going to come in very handy. I mean, I think for us it will be very helpful because <clears throat> I don't know about YouTube, but I always get questions about how do I do this on my sure. iPhone, how do I do this on my iPad? Mm -hmm. And obviously it's hard to tell all them when you're not there. But if I've got the thing in front of me, I can be like, look, you just go on this menu, you tap that, you tap that, and it's done. Um, and I think that's great. And I also I should mention that these were introed in the iOS 15 section, but the the it's going to be supported across uh, iPad OS and Mac OS as well. So you'll be able to share stuff from your Mac, from your iPad uh, in, in the same way. Yeah, so um, that and that's obviously just another way to kind of make it compete a little bit better with with the likes of Zoom, and also I think Disney Plus has their own kind of watch party integration as well. Watch parties have been a big thing, and there was sort of the Netflix, the unofficial Netflix watch party tool, and then it has prompted Disney Plus to build their own official one. I think Amazon Prime has an official one as well. I think Netflix still doesn't, though. I, I might be no, wrong. Not as um, but yeah, this, this, you know, it is a pandemic thing, but that idea of scheduling to all sit down and watch, watch something on a streaming service together 
is absolutely growing in popularity and tying that directly mm -hmm. into FaceTime is yeah. very, very smart. And I like uh, the fact that, that bit, can... I suspect, won't work on Android and Windows, though I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, that might be a <laughs> little be bit surprised. more difficult. Yeah. Uh, also, if you have an Apple TV, um, and this is very niche, we're getting into the very niche now, but if you also have an yeah. Apple TV and you're watching video content, you can stream the video to your Apple TV and watch on the big screen while you're still on FaceTime yes. yep. on your phone. Uh, so, yeah, a little bit more comfortable, yeah. let's say. Um, since we sort of segued just from iOS to everything else, I think the thing that caught my eye the most from the other software announcements uh, was part of the macOS Monterey presentation that actually relates to iPads as well, okay. uh, which is the introduction of the ability to move your cursor and through that move files from a Mac to an iPad and vice versa, and from a MacBook to an iMac, for example. If it works um, as well as they showed, it will be yeah, one of the most amazingly, looked... like, joyously easy <laughs> computing experiences ever. If they actually pull it looked that off. genuinely magical <laughs> because the the key point here is that, and I find this interesting because we spoke last week about Huawei and Harmony OS, and I, I actually, you know, raved about how good Huawei has been about its integration of its Windows laptops with its tablets and phones and how you can mm -hmm. screen share and extend screens and share files and it's better than anything Apple does. And then, of course, Apple took four, four days to come out and prove me wrong and then kind of say, no, look, we can do this and we can do it better than Huawei. Because what they showed off is you just take your iPad, you put it next to your MacBook and that's it. They now know that they are connected to one another and when you move your mouse where to, the, edge they of the screen, it will... Yeah, and they know one's to the left and one's yeah. to the right. So you move the mouse to the edge of the screen and then move it a bit further and that mouse cursor is now on the iPad screen that's sitting next to the MacBook. Somehow. Um, uh, I am waiting for the reveal that there's something clunkier to it, some yeah. bit of process they they obfuscated in the stream. I, I, uh, I don't know this for sure. Oh. No, oh, you go. go. Sorry, it's not. I'll say, uh, because obviously it's... Uh, uh, extending your display using an iPad is a feature that's been around for a year or two. Yes. Uh, and that, I imagine, would work in a very similar way. Um, but you still have to uh, manually connect to that from, from a, a menu in your on your Mac. Yeah. So I, it's probably something, and then that's where you select whether it's on the left side or the right side and stuff like that. So yes. I feel like there's yeah. probably a bit of pre-setup. Uh, it's not quite as smooth as what Apple's making it out to be. But I mean, I could be wrong. They could be using something, you yeah. know, there, there's a lot of tech in these especially the newer models of mac and ipad and you've got you know ultra wideband stuff so mm -hmm. not so much on the mac side but there is there are ipads and iphones that kind of know where they are yeah. <laughs> maybe they've sense. figured something out but yeah, yeah very cool dragging your cursor between all three moving files directly and you know yeah. they showed moving files from an ipad to a macbook and then over to the other side to an imac yeah um which is obviously a workflow no one in the world will ever have but on the desktop you can't it just is get one very of these, cool though. The, yes. the uh, Logitech MX Master, you've been able to copy and paste and drag and stuff for years. Very handy. Yeah, so it's it, there are fancy mice capable of pairing to multiple things and moving between them, <laughs> which is cool, and I love it. Uh, but the fact that you could just do this with yeah. your MacBook trackpad yeah, great. is wild. And um, I'm very keen for more of this kind of linking up of, of devices and workflows. use a second... Uh, so say you're working off an iMac and you want a second display, but you haven't got an iPad, you can now use your MacBook as a second display. Yes. Yeah. So you can kind of recycle also cool. all the other Apple bits in your house and make a mega display. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, what other little bits of pieces were there? Um, AirPods got a few yes. updates. They are funny because they are 90%. There were sort of four big AirPod announcements, and most of them are limited to either the Pro or the Max models, basically. Um, I wonder what really, that means. Yeah. 
really the exciting one i think is the find my integration yeah, which understand. was for both pro and max i think is, um yeah. but that's nice it means you can now see your airpods on the find my they'll connect to the find my network and 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 link in with it and all of that you can get them to play a sound when you're close uh, like you can with the the AirTag and and the iPhones using FindMy, and you can get the proximity view on your phone where you can see if you're getting you know hot or cold as you get close to it, and get a separation alert to tell you, hey, you left your AirPods. And that's also coming to the AirTag as well, the separation alerts, because that was ah, one of the great. big complaints about the AirTag is that it doesn't have a separation alert. So yeah, of course, that's also yeah, I forgot that that hadn't been in the AirTag before this. Um, yeah, so that I think was the the sort of exciting bit of of that for me I, i'm not i'm not an airpod owner so none of it's personally exciting but that was a bit i thought that's a big change I uh, like lewis the, i know yes yeah. I, I think you were going to say the spatial audio was yeah, on on t- uh, apple tv audio. basically yeah. right like that's what i can't wait for um it, it's been a big thing on obviously on the iphone and the ipad and stuff like that for the past year i think it's been, it's been out for a while now i think um but for me, I don't really watch a lot of, especially when it comes to movies and TV shows. I'll watch little TikToks and stuff on my phone. But when it comes to a proper watch test, I'm watching it on my Apple TV. Um, and the fact that it hasn't had spatial audio up until this point is a little bit ridiculous. I, you know, I, I, when I got the AirPods Max especially, I was like, I'm ready for this spatial audio experience on, on my Apple TV. And it was just stereo playback. And I was just like, okay, cool. Maybe not then. Um, so, yeah, it works in a similar way to what it does on the iPhone. Because obviously the iPhone has more tech in it than uh, an Apple TV does. So it's going to use smarts to kind of do it for you. So where, whereas on an iPhone, um, you, you're, you're, it's got kind of the, the ultra wideband tech and other fancy tech in it that lets it know where the iPhone is in relation to your headphones. So it can make yep. the audio sound like it's coming from that specific direction, no matter where it is. That's also the concept for the Apple TV version, but it doesn't have mm. ultra wideband tech or anything like that in it. So instead, uh, the AirPods Pro and the AirPods Max, um, they will kind of wait for you to face one direction for a while. And then it'll assume that's where the TV is. Uh, and it'll so lock in like that. Default. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's and interesting. Then it's, it, it, I mean, it's a, it's a handy little workaround, but there is a caveat that if you do get up and walk around, it will then reset and you have to sit back down and watch yeah. again for a little before it will kind of take uh, take place again. But yeah, I mean, any any kind of integration with, with spatial audio, I'm here for. Uh, it will work yep. with stereo 5.1 and 7.1 on the Apple TV. So most things should have yep. spatial audio support on there. That's good. It also now works for Mac OS. So there's an interesting caveat there, which is it's only for Macs with the M1 chip, mm. Um, mm. which is funny because, you know, as Lewis just gave this explanation of how it works on the Apple TV, which is not super high powered. And I'm confident an Intel Core i7 MacBook is going to outpower an Apple TV. I'm also confident they could use this exact same workaround where they say, hey, you stare at this laptop screen for five minutes oh, yeah. straight and we're going to remember that's where it is. So this is interesting because it is really for the first time them saying, cool, we're just not going to give this feature to the older Macs. <laughs> like, upgrade. Getting just, one yeah. now. It's the same with um, the portrait effect. There's a, there's a portrait effect coming to FaceTime um, yeah. so you can blur your background. Mm. Uh, that is also exclusive to the M1 Macs. You can't get that yep. on any older ones. Uh, one other AirPod thing was, uh, I think it's just for the Pro and the Max. I wasn't sure. They didn't really make it clear. But Conversation Boost is a nice success. It's accessibility. just for the Pro. Right. Bonus. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. is basically boosting whoever you're talking to's voice. Was It's kind of like advanced, uh, what's the word? Noise cancellation. Um, noise cancellation, <laughs> effectively, that boosts like the incoming audio and voice. Yeah. yeah. Which seems cool. Yeah, yeah so it is good. cool. It's a shame it is pros only, though I understand mm-hmm. that is for hardware reasons. But yeah, um, yeah. 
Yeah, so the idea is is that they all use the beamforming mic tech to mm. focus in on the person directly in front of you and cancel out yep. any of the background noise. So as well as enhancing the voices, should quieten loud environments as well. Which if yes. that works well, then I want that. Like, I, I, you know, I, I can hear perfectly, totally. but I still need that in, in you know in, in really loud pubs and, and stuff like that. It just gets really annoying. Do you have um, a pair the of only caveat pros? of that is? Sorry, do you have a pair of AirPods Pro? Any of the Mac, any of the Pro as well. <laughs> I should have guessed. Ready, right there to show off, mm, just in okay. case it came up. Oh wait, what? <laughs> What's that bra doing, Lewis? Why have you got a bra? <laughs> But yeah, uh, it's a little the, bit weird that the 550 pound headphones don't do it, but the uh, the 250 pound ones do. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it's a little strange. Um, the the other like caveat to note there is because of the way it works, it's focusing on the person in front of you. So this would be yes. great for one on one conversations. But actually, yes. if you're yes. hearing about this and thinking this is great because of what Lewis said, I'm in a noisy pub or I'm able to hear people or something, especially if you are hard of hearing in a group, it's actually not going to help that much because it will only mm-hmm. help if you are looking at it's your craving your head. Very quickly. You have to yeah, <laughs> you're like, um, I don't have enough experience of actual hearing aids to know how that compares. But no. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a nice bit of accessibility tech. And I'm hoping we see more more headphone manufacturers do stuff like this yeah. if their uh, headphones support that tech. Uh, we are at the hour mark, so we should probably wrap up. Is there, Are there any other little bits we have forgotten so far, either of you, that we need to I mean, We can on? talk more about those Memoji stickers if you want. I absolutely do <laughs> oh. not want. I do want to say uh, just a quick iPad OS um, update. So widgets are coming, like proper widgets that you can oh, put yeah. on your home screen instead of just in the yes. little yeah. slide-on part. And it's also getting the app library. Uh, both of these things came yes. to iOS 14. Uh, yep. They didn't quite make it to the iPad last year, but they are coming this year. So that's a good yeah. one. So again, that very brief window where Harmony was the best tablet OS in the world uh, <laughs> shrunk down pretty pretty quickly uh, and Apple kind of came away with it. Okay, yeah, no, we've caught up and put those all on the iPad. It's, it's, it's all part of Apple's anti-competitive nature now. They're letting everybody <laughs> else get it in a couple of days and they're like, okay, right, we're going to do yeah, our yeah, better yeah. one now. <laughs> uh, a couple of very small things I'll give a shout out to are in the watchOS segment, they showed um, the uh, reworked health experience, which now has this reflect thing. So as well as the breathe app, there's now this reflect app and it's like mindfulness so it kind of ties mm. into their existing health stuff which is cool um and the other thing was that they are now using on the photos watch face so watch face that pulls photos from a gallery if you have portrait shots there's a portrait watch face now as well and it'll segment the foreground data from the background data and slot the clock in between which just seems very slick mm, i like that's a really cool. clever way yeah. of using a, a mm. photo with with depth data in a watch, like I just would never have thought to do that. And yeah, I thought that was a really clever little thing they added to watch OS 8. No, totally. Um, there are lots of little bits we don't really have the time to address. Uh, I liked the way that now on iPhones, uh, the camera app will be able to read text in photos yeah. that you take and Google in images eyes. that people send to you. Yes. Um, so you can directly copy and search that text. You don't even recognize a phone number and let you dial it immediately without sort of copying it onto the calling app, that kind of thing. Um, I like that you can finally use Siri in an offline mode for some simple stuff, even cool. though, again, this is one Google's had for a while. The Google Assistant has been able to do that on some devices, <laughs> but it is good. Uh, and then the last Siri thing, I think, is they are putting letting other manufacturers put Siri into third-party yes. yeah. smart home kit, they should have which that, is interesting because HomeKit has always been really rubbish, and it's really hampered <laughs> how much Siri... And Apple integration has built up in the smart home space. 100%. And they've let Amazon and Google run away with it. And I think letting them put Siri into devices is weirdly overdue. And I'm fascinated 
by why they didn't before and what's changed for them that's made them want to now. But in the smart home space, that feels like a big deal. <laughs> cool. Right. That is our show for today. An hour long. Thank you for everyone who has been listening or watching. We will, of course, be back at the same time next week. As we already mentioned, we know we're going to have the European or global launch of the Realme GT, but also perhaps more excitingly, the reveal of the Honor 50 series, which maybe, fingers crossed, is going to have Google mobile services included and we'll finally have Honor phones we can actually recommend that you buy again, which would be really nice. Uh, we will be back next week to talk about them and more. Stay tuned and remember to like and subscribe and all of that. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>